Fuss Row. Ah! Hello and welcome to Chaotic Creations, a podcast where we take weird prompts and make weird Dungeons & Dragons characters. I'm Harper, your lawful nerdy paladin. And I'm Darby, your chaotic tired bard. And welcome to our 12th episode. Darby, how's it going? It's going great, especially since we launched our Discord server. Been chatting and hanging out with fellow listeners like you. We have lots of different channels for lots of different topics and good memes to be found around. If you want to get in on this fun, you can find the link on our website or in the link tree in our Twitter bio. And while you're at Twitter, you might notice that Darby and I are starting a new project this week. We, along with Dee, otherwise known as It's Deridla, and Anita, also known as Panita or Critical Misses, played a four-part Dungeons & Dragons campaign called The Lonely Throne with our wonderful GM, the Noir Enigma, who you might recognize as our guest from last week. And that will start airing this Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, which is 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for us over here on the West Coast. You should absolutely tune in to hear Darby and I do some truly wonderful role-playing with some interesting characters. Yes, I literally cannot stop thinking and or talking about it, and it is taking all one of my brain cells' entire effort to not tell everyone what happened in this campaign. Yes, so if you are going to be watching that live on Twitch as it airs, you can hang out with Darby and I in the Twitch chat, and we would love to see your reactions to this campaign that we've played out. It was a whole lot of fun, and we cannot wait for you all to watch. But before that, Darby, it is time for our new episode, and it is time for you to prompt me this week. Ah, yes. I'll give you something, a favorite of mine, perhaps. All right, I can't wait. Without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. All right, Harper, today I would like you to make me a character using one of my favorite backgrounds of all time, the haunted one. Ooh, okay, the haunted one. I also quite like the haunted one background. It makes for some interesting storytelling. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think there's at least three characters that I actually put some thought and effort into creating that all have the haunted one background. So the haunted one background, for those of you who are unaware, is essentially that your past is marked by something. Something that was really terrible that you cannot talk about. It was extremely traumatic, so much that it left kind of a shadow upon you as a person that other people can see on you. And the key part of the Haunted One background is the harrowing event, the thing that it was that turned you into a Haunted One. So Darby, I think I should roll on the harrowing event table to see what it is that we get and go from there. I think so as well. So take a d10 and give me a roll. So the harrowing event that defines this character is that an apparition that has haunted their family for generations now haunts them. They don't know what it wants and it won't leave them alone. Okay. God, I love the haunted one. It builds into your character free angst because <laughs> <laughs> D and D characters need so much help making up angst for themselves i mean it's just extra it's like an extra t- like an extra sprinkle of angst it's like uh dead parents and an apparition that haunts you 
<laughs> what more can you ask for? It doesn't say that my family said are gone, so it's kind of up to me to decide what the family situation is and why it is that this apparition is now haunting me. Maybe it's like a once every few generations. It's been so many generations, no one really remembers what it is, why it's there. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I literally thought it was fake. I mean, like your great, great, great grandmother apparently had this, but like no one's had it in generations. I honestly don't know what it is. <laughs> that would be interesting. Their family's just like, uh... <laughs> So I'm actually, because I don't have a set idea for this character yet in mind, mm-hmm. given that harrowing event, I'm interested in actually rolling on the characteristics table to see what it is that we get for a personality. Ooh. So let's start with rolling up two personality traits. So I'll roll 2d8. Okay, so the first personality trait that I rolled is I don't talk about the thing that torments me. I'd rather not burden others with my curse. And the second is I live for the thrill of the hunt. So already to me, this person seems like a very much a loner type. They don't like to communicate their emotions with others and they are striking out on their own to try and figure out how to get rid of this thing that is haunting them. It's almost like it's haunting them and they are hunting it at the same time. Hunting for a way to destroy it or get it away. Mm -hmm. Do you think that they're a loner because of this curse or that they were a loner and then this curse was just extra? Oh, that's interesting. Because there's this webcomic called Ava's Demon where the girl named Ava has always had this demon hanging around her that she can see that no one else can. And this demon hates her and has made her life miserable. And in doing so has made Ava into a loner because she is just constantly screaming in her ear or will sometimes possess her and make her like flip everyone off and stuff like that. And so is it they were already a loner who had skills that they had developed that they're now turning towards defeating this thing that is now haunting them or they've always been haunted by this thing that has made them a loner and they are now on the hunt singularly to destroy this thing. You know what this is making me think of? Have you ever watched the horror movie, The Unborn? I hate that you brought that one up. (laughs) Here's a fun fact. Darby hates horror movies. So does Harper. The Unborn is literally the trailer that has like scarred, like, I can still see the trailer, like, in my mind. Like, I can replay the trailer and remember every section of it that gave me nightmares. The dog with the weird face, the guy crawling up. I hate that you mentioned, you mentioned, like, the one, the one! But have you actually seen the movie? No! Do you know what the whole shtick is? I know what okay. the shtick is. I know what the shtick is. I just, I okay. not watch it. So, for listeners and spoilers if you have not watched the horror movie unborn and as a person who does not like horror movies i can't recommend it so i don't mind spoiling it for you the unborn is about a girl who is haunted by a spirit and it turns out to be the spirit of her twin that she killed in the womb and so i kind of like the idea that this is a family whose lineage is twins yeah is twins like every birth is a set of twins And then every few generations, there's a singular birth and that person who's born alone is then haunted for the rest of their lives. Maybe it is their twin who is haunting them or maybe it's that for some reason being one of a pair offers some kind of supernatural protection. This is reminding me of another webcomic. Of course it is. It's called Muted. You can read it on Webtoons. It's pretty on the nose. Like, 
there's like a clan of the witches that require because they're just so inclined towards like spirits and things that they need two of them always with each other to kind of mm-hmm. protect against these spirits. Otherwise, they're very prone to possession. Yes, that is what I am thinking of for this family. So they are always, always, always born in twins. And then once every few generations, there's a, someone who is born without a twin and that person is haunted. And no one knows why in the family. Would the family know how to deal with it? Maybe not. Maybe that person always dies before a certain age. I think that'd be fun. Like maybe they die before they turn 30. Or, yeah, or, like, just after a certain age, they start falling into worse and worse luck as, like, this spirit, like, mm-hmm. tries to take a deeper and deeper hold onto this world to them. I like it being a deadline instead of a from this point on, though, because the deadline puts more pressure on the character and gives them a more concrete goal. I guess it depends on what happens to them. Oh, they die. Absolutely, they die. Just die? Okay. Well, I'm assuming they die in a very horrific and painful way that is traumatic for generations to come in the family. So let's say that this character is maybe in their mid-twenties and they know that whenever anyone in their lineage has had this apparition following them around, they have died by the age of, let's say, 31 because that's a prime number and is 13 backwards and so feels just inherently kind of creepy and I like it. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's say that this character is like 26 or 27, has like four years left in their life, and they decide, you know what, screw it, I'm not going gentle into that good night, I'm gonna find out what this thing is, I'm gonna figure out how to kill it. I like this. And maybe like that's one of the reasons that they are a bit of a loner is because they weren't born with the twin that everyone else in their family is. Like everyone else in their family has that twin that's like another part of them Mm -hmm. and has someone like always a companion in the world. And this person was literally born without their companion. Maybe everyone finds them just inherently kind of creepy in that way or like don't know how to deal with it because like everyone in their family just is like they're referred to as a pair, right? Yeah. Except for this character. I like it. Okay. Well, then let's figure out what the ideal is. I'm going to go ahead and roll for that as well. And this is a D6. Oh, this works very well with the character. This ideal is I have a dark calling that puts me above the law. This character says, screw your rules of society. I have a ticking time bomb in my genetics and I need to figure this out and nothing and no one is going to stand in my way. Mm -hmm. This character is a person who knows that they're going to die and so they have nothing else to lose. Exactly. And they're alone in their family. Their family doesn't know how to deal with them, doesn't know how to handle it. Maybe like everyone else is like, you're going to die in 30 years. How do I like cope with this? Their parents are just like always crying. Yep. Oh man. And then for a bond. Oh wow. This is interesting. I have a child to protect. I must make the world a safer place for them. I wonder if that means parent or if that means perhaps that like they are an aunt or an uncle or something like that. And the younger generation was also born with only one. And it's the first time ever that there have been two at once that are alone. And this person's like, oh my gosh, I have to figure out how to kill this thing. Maybe that's what propelled them on the journey. They're like, if it was just me that was going to die, whatever, I've been used to that since birth. But now I know that my little nephew is going to die. Oh, I have to go figure out how to kill this thing. Yeah. Maybe one of their siblings was like. Yes, because they have to have two. Yeah. Like at least. And they're like, oh, you know, my babies are going to be born soon. I want you to like be there and be a part of their lives like you matter so much to me. even though they're not twins like either the pair of the siblings or this one sibling's like I love you like you're still like a part of this family I want you to be a part of their lives and then mm-hmm. one of them dies and then like everyone's like 
God! <laughs> yeah. Or, like, not dies, but, like, I, th- I like that it's, like, everyone just assumes that it's always going to be twins. Because we're talking a D&D setting. They don't have, like, sonograms. They can't see what's going on in there. I guess that's true. I always kind of assume that magic, you know, like... Because, like, doesn't there, like, detect life or something like that? And you can detect... I don't know if that would work as a sonogram. Yeah, at least ping heartbeats, No. I mean, Detect Life is a Skyrim spell. I don't know oh, if it's a spell you know with Dungeons & Dragons. That's probably what I'm mixing it up with. <laughs> There's the, the dragon scream. What, what is it? It's not a dragon scream. Shout. <laughs> dragon shout. <laughs> the dragon just goes, ah! <laughs> it's just Fusro. Ah! <laughs> Fusro. Ah! But anyway, yes, I'm leaning into it being a nephew just because cool. Mm-hmm. So they have to protect their nephew because their nephew is also being haunted by this apparition. Yeah. Like maybe the nephew like is a couple of years old and they kind of hoped that he wouldn't be because there already was this older person who had the apparition. But then once the nephew got old enough to like start sharing like thoughts, they were like, oh yeah, I can see something too. And everyone's like, oh no, there's two. We're becoming more cursed. Can they see the apparition? I imagine it as kind of an it follows situation where only the afflicted person can see it. Yeah. So does it do anything else besides just kind of like... Loom menacingly? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah? You think it just sort of like fogs? I, I don't know what what form it would take. That's an interesting question. I think that it's probably somewhat... Maybe it's like one of those things like it starts off as very vague form of just like mist. And then as you age, it becomes more clearly and clearly defined. And the moment you can see it clearly is the moment you die. I had a thought like the one thing I hate above all else. And if anyone tries to prank me with this, I'll kill you. I (laughs) hate the idea that I'll turn around and look out my window and see that there's just eyes staring at me. Yeah. Anyone tapes eyes to my window, I will find you and I (laughs) you will have strong words. But like the idea that like maybe like the first thing you see is just eyes. It's just always like these eyes just somewhere. Oh, I like that it's like it starts off as a shapeless form, becomes clearly and clearly defined, but you can always see the eyes very clearly. Yeah. And it's always just, it's never just like hanging out in the open, like it's just fog with eyeballs, but it's always like in the corner, like out of the corner of your eye, you see the eyes, like Mm -hmm. as if it was a creature with a material form, the eyes are tilted to the side as if it was peering around the side of a wall or in the bush. And it's literally always in your peripheral vision. You can never get rid of it. You just have mm-hmm. to get used to it being there. You'll never be able to like look at it dead on until the moment that you die. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. All right. And then the last thing we have to pick for this background is a flaw. And that's again a D6. Okay. Well, this is a little on the nose, I think. It's, I am a purveyor of doom and gloom who lives in a world without hope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, up until their nephew was born, they accepted their own eventual death and they were just like yep nope i'm cursed i'm gonna die one day (laughs) you know what i'm thinking of like you know like someone who makes jokes that like they can make this joke like if you have experienced a certain trauma then you get to joke about it but other people don't get to joke about the trauma because that's traumatizing and other people who get it will laugh Mm -hmm. and everyone else just gets really uncomfortable and silent yeah god i like a dark sense of humor this is great a very dark sense. This person has a dark sense of humor. And then the last thing that we need to do that comes with this background is a gothic trinket. Yes. 
So this is a somewhat creepy just item that your character has, and it's a D100 roll. So I'm going to go ahead and roll the D100 and see what it is that my character carries around with them for a little extra creep factor. All right, I rolled a 76, which is a small mirror that shows a much older version of the viewer. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> that's really That's really depressing because it's one of those things that's like the only way you could see yourself age really is with that mirror if you're one of the afflicted in the family can you imagine i'm thinking of two things like one it's like something that someone a long long time ago in their family made for someone who's afflicted as like a this is so you can see like blah 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 this blah 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 that or a very well-meaning distant auntie who is a little like you know like someone who gives you a gift and it's like kind of rude but like they're trying to be nice it's like if someone were to like give you like a scale for christmas yeah like that no like i know you're never gonna grow old like here's this mirror that shows you what you look like isn't this fun and everyone else is like aunt linda no (laughs) i kind of like that this person like but then kept it and like it's half like a reminder that like I am going to die and like acceptance of that fact and half almost like vision board like I want to see this someday. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons that I am going to kill this thing. I want to be able to see myself in a real mirror like this. Yeah, maybe they maybe they had like chucked the present in a corner when they initially got it and then when they're what's a neutral term for niece or nephew? There isn't like, one. There isn't niecely like <laughs> when you're when they're I, nephew, I picked I picked a nephew. Yeah, when they're nephling nephew was born then they were like you know that's when the motivation started and then maybe the kid found the mirror and was like oh what's this and they're like Mm -hmm. maybe it only shows you as you are like 15 years older and so when they first received the mirror they were kind of too young to appreciate it Mm -hmm. or maybe their parents were like linda no like (laughs) (laughs) well like imagine like if you know that you're gonna die when you're 31 and you receive the mirror on your 15th birthday you see yourself at the age of 30 and you're like yeah cool whatever i'm gonna be alive when i'm 30 Mm -hmm. but then this person finds it again at the age of like 24 and is like oh shoot that's what i'm gonna look like when i'm 39 oh wait i'm never gonna be 39 Mm -hmm. i'm also thinking you know like when some relatives get you a gift that's like inappropriate for your age so your parents like hide it Mm mm-hmm How soon would the family have told this character, like, hey, you're going to die? I think as soon as the character had started seeing the shadowy creature out of the corners of their eyes, I think that it's probably, like, a well-known family thing. Like, they raise this child knowing that it's going to die. That's so traumatizing. Can you imagine that mindset of being raised knowing that you were going to die at a certain age at a certain time? That's terrifying. That's, like, awful. All right, so now I have to think, what kind of a character is this what race or class speaks to me i mean if we're talking about a hunter there are a couple of classes that do really stand out here Mm -hmm. those two classes to me are the ranger and the rogue Mm. ranger would make a lot of sense i suppose or or a blood hunter blood hunter would be super cool i mean it's probably a little on the nose to have a blood hunter who has a haunted one background But also, like, I can absolutely see this character being like, well, I know I'm going to die anyway. What's a little bit of blood magic, you know? Mm -hmm. What do you call those people who are, like, pushy on, like, dying? I don't know how to... Like, they push it. They're, like, adrenaline junkie-ish types. Like, they'll do something really dangerous that everyone's like, why? And they're like, 
why not? Like Tom Cruise with like every stunt that he does. Where he's like, yeah, I'll just jump out this plane. Like <laughs> no sense of self-preservation. Yes. That sort of thing. I feel like this character's like only tether that we've sort of strongly established is I need to figure it out for my nephew. That's like the only thing that's stopping them from just going fully off the rails. Hey everyone, Harper here. Before we continue today's episode, let's hear a quick message from our friends over at From Afar. Welcome travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. Involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more Or you epic. could tell him about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me, as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. I'm kind of growing attached. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to make this character a blood hunter. I've never made a blood hunter character before. Neither have I. So this will be a fun journey for both of us. But before we keep going with blood hunter, I feel like I need to pick a race so we can keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Is there any race that's typically born in twins? (laughs) I mean, I'm only thinking of races that are born in litters, which are multiples. I can't think of a race that always has twins. That's probably more of a family quirk. Like, the only reason I think of this is because of our characters, the halflings. Do you remember the Ghostwise halflings? Oh, yeah, the the Ghostwise halfling twins that we played. Yeah. That would also be interesting because... They have that mental connection. They do have that telepathic connection, which is usually something you'd think about for twins. I mean, that's why we chose them, because we wanted to do twin telepathy. Yeah. I also quite like that Ghostwise halflings are typically, like clan based like more so than most halflings who are like i can make it anywhere in any society ghostwise halflings tend to stick together mm-hmm. and so if they're always born in twins and it's like yeah you can communicate mind to mind with anyone but your closest connection is with your twin yeah. it's basically like you share a mind mm-hmm. interesting okay so i guess we're going for ghostwise halfling yeah oh that's pretty funny i think then without further ado i need to roll some stats yeah! darby can you remind the people how we roll stats while i roll them Yes, we do a 4d6 array. So we take 4d6 and roll them for our stats. We take the three highest numbers and we add them together and re-roll any ones that we get. So the stats that I rolled are 16, 9, 12, 14, 10, 14. Not a terrible array. We're looking at a potentially negative modifier. As a blood hunter, we want intelligence to be quite high because that's the main ability for the blood hunter's hemocraft ability. And then depending on what kind of a fighter we want to be, either strength or dexterity. Hmm. Now as a ghostwise halfling, our dexterity score is going to increase by two and wisdom by one. So I am leaning toward a dexterity based fighting style here so dueling or archery probably yeah so i think what i'm gonna go for is we're gonna put one of the 14s in dexterity which will become a 16 and we're gonna put the 16 in intelligence nine charisma yes i do think nine charisma because they were never taught to socialize because nobody in their family's ever taught to socialize they just have a partner Mm -hmm. for their life or they've been taught to socialize as like their unit Yes, and because this person doesn't have a unit, they're hamstrung. Mm. I like that. Okay. I think that perhaps the 10 can go in... Wisdom? 
I was thinking wisdom, yeah. So that 10 is going to increase to 11. I like the 14 in constitution to give our blood hunter a chance at surviving when they have to do damage to themselves in order to deal damage to others. You want to have more hit points. You want to be a little buffer. It's one of the quirks of the blood hunter class that you have to actively damage yourself, but you can do a ton of damage in return to your enemy. That's why it's called blood magic, baby. And then that will leave the 12 in strength. So the final stat array for this character is a 12 in strength, 16 in dexterity, 14 in constitution, 16 in intelligence, 11 in wisdom, and 9 in charisma. So two of the halfling racial features that I think are quite interesting that kind of work in contrast with this character. The first is Brave, where you have an advantage on saving throws against being frightened. I think that works quite well for this character. They've lived with a specter their entire life. They're not that easy to scare. The other one is Lucky, which I find quite funny for this character because they were literally born unlucky. They were born without their twin, but they still have that lucky that lucky ability. And we'll also be able to speak Common and Halfling, as well as the fun part about Ghostwise Halflings, Telepathy. I've literally never looked at Bloodhunter. That's like 90% of where my brain is right now. So before we get into the Bloodhunter specifics, let's look again at Haunted One because we didn't talk about the benefits that you get from being a Haunted One background. Yep. So you get to choose two skill proficiencies from Arcana, Investigation, Religion, and Survival. And I think for this particular character, it's going to be Investigation and Survival. Makes sense. Someone who's sticking it out on their own. Literally going it alone to try and find the answer to a question. Mm-hmm. And we'll get two extra languages, and it says one of which is exotic, which I assume they mean one that none of the standard player races speaks. Yeah. I think that because it's a shadowy entity, it's probably some kind of a demon. We'll go with either abyssal or deep speech. I always find deep speech to be a little creepier. Awesome. We'll go with deep speech. <laughs> you can have the other language you learn be abyssal. <laughs> I like it being under common, actually, because I feel like that's a little bit more commonly spoken in the shadowy parts of the world, Mm -hmm. which I feel like that's where this character spends most of their life these days. Yeah. And the last part of the background that is quite interesting for Haunted One is the Heart of Darkness feature, which is that when people look at you, they can see that you have faced horror and trauma and darkness, and they're a little bit scared of you, but also they feel this compulsion to help you. So unless you you are in any way a threat to them they will go out of their way to help you they will even fight on your side if you are alone and fighting an enemy yeah (laughs) your ptsd is so visible that they will drop everything to help you (laughs) oh man it's my favorite feature (laughs) it's because it's really funny to imagine just like you're like fighting maybe like tiamat and a bunch of like commoners come out with like fishworks and they're like I mean, speaking of fighting, let's talk about this Bloodhunter class. Mm-hmm. We'll start off with some proficiencies. We get to pick three more skill proficiencies. And the ones that we have to choose from are athletics, acrobatics, arcana, history, insight, and religion. Because we already picked investigation and survival. I think history is quite an interesting one. This is a family very steeped in its history, so this character probably knows a lot particularly about their family history and the history of this demon as they go to uncover it. I think that makes sense. 
I'm kind of stuck on what else to go with, though. Would Arcana make sense? I mean, because they don't know why this is happening. Maybe they're wondering if it's a magical curse of some sort or... Oh, that'd be interesting. They're basically throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. Maybe it's magical. Maybe it's... I don't know what. That'd be interesting. Yes, they learned all they could about magic. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm thinking nobody knows why this happens and how to stop it. They just know that it happens and Mm -hmm. this is the end result. So probably, yeah, that's, that's kind of the rationale for Arcana is maybe. I mean, in that case, would religion then also be the law? Probably, yeah. Like they learned all they could about religion. Like maybe this is some kind of a devil who has cursed me Mm -hmm. or an evil god. Yeah. It's literally just throwing the kitchen sink and, right? Is that the phrase? Everything but the kitchen sink is the phrase I think you're looking for. Ah, the sink was involved. (laughs) (laughs) Or not, I guess. So let's start looking at some of these features. Because we are creating these characters at fourth level, we are going to get to join a blood hunter order. But before we do that, we're just going to go through the basic abilities that we're going to get as a blood hunter. Mm -hmm. So first off, you get Hunter's Bane, which is a ritual that literally forever alters the blood that courses through your body. And you take in a bit of darkness and that allows you to become a better hunter of fey, fiends, and the undead. So you get advantage on survival checks and to track them and on any intelligence ability checks to recall information about them. So I'm very glad we took those proficiencies in history, arcana, and religion. Mm -hmm. Covered our bases. We also get Hemocraft, which again is that blood magic and blood maledict, a blood hunter ability at first level. So you can channel or sacrifice some of your life essence in order to place a blood curse on another creature. We also get a fighting style. And because we're going to be a dexterity-based fighter... What do you think? Archery or dueling? I mean, I could see making an argument for both. I kind of like the idea, and this maybe is silly. It just goes based off the fact that they're not a twin and everyone else is a twin. When you're born, you have a a partner for life, and that includes a sparring partner, so everyone's taught how to duel. But this character never had that sparring partner. Yeah. So instead, they lean into the much more solitary form of combat, which is archery. You get a plus two bonus to attacks you make with ranged weapons. Hot dog. Not bad. We also, at second level, get a primal right. You can use a little bit of your blood magic to deal elemental damage with your weapon. So we get to choose fire, cold, or lightning damage. I don't feel like I see cold damage get used a lot. I feel like it is one of the rarer ones, yeah. Yeah, like fire, I mean, come on, it was fireball. That's true, but also I feel like this person would know enough to know that if this being comes from hell, basically, probably fire damage is not going to be that useful on it. Yeah. I feel like cold resistance is not something I see a heck of a lot. I think you see lightning resistance even less often. That's true. I kind of like cold damage just because I like the ice arrows in Breath of the Wild better than the lightning arrows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we're going to be shooting arrows. So like you got to pick one. Mm-hmm. I also just, Right of the Frozen just sounds really cool. <laughs> like Right of the Frozen does sound cool. So that's what we're going with. The primal right we're choosing is Right of the Frozen. You can use your bonus action. You roll your Hemocraft die, which is basically the die that you can use in order to use your blood magic. You lose a number of hit points equal to what you roll on your die. But then for the 
duration of the right, you can deal an extra 1d4 of the type damage. So we're going to be dealing an extra 1d4 cold damage with every single attack. Oh, you can't learn spells. Ah. This is not a spellcasting class. Darn. <laughs> maybe maybe this person in later multi-classes with a ranger just to get Hunter's Mark. The last thing that we're going to have to do for Blood Hunter is we are going to have to choose an order. Yes. And there's four options here. There is the Ghost Slayer, there is Lycan, Mutant, and Profane Soul. Lycan and Mutant are interesting because if you go through Order of the Lycan, you yourself become werewolf. You basically become a companion from Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Mutant is you change your own physiology. Yep. A lot like Simic Hybrid and I don't like it. Yeah. So that leaves... Ghost Slayer and Profane Soul, both of which are very interesting. Yeah. Ghost Slayer is much more about the undead, and the Profane Soul is about fiends and terrors. So I feel like Profane Soul might be where we're going. Yeah, because I, I like the ambiguity of terrors of the world. Also, Ghost Slayer, Ghostwise Halfling is pretty funny, but I think you're correct. So then we have to, very similar to a warlock, pick an otherworldly patron. The lesser evil that we have allied ourselves with. By the way, Darby, this is the order that allows you to cast spells. You get packed magic. This is the one order! <laughs> yep. <laughs> we are gonna have one spell slot. Hunter's Mark? It has to be, I believe, from the warlock spell list. Motherfucker. Beep, 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 beep. First, let's go ahead and pick a patron. This is going to be important. What kind of patron would this lack of self-preservation character pick? Undying? I think that the undying is definitely interesting from the perspective of someone who is condemned to death. Like, they are not seeking eternal life. Mm -hmm. They know they're going to die. Yeah. So that's very interesting. Because I feel like Archfane Celestial are just out. Those don't make a lot of sense. Fiend, I feel like maybe not so much because I'm kind of leaning toward if I were DMing this, I would make the creature that haunts this character some kind of fiend or devil of some kind. Oh, I was I was going to go aberration. Maybe. I mean, honestly, if I was DMing this character, I'd homebrew some nasty, gnarly, ugly thing. I would also homebrew, but I think I'd homebrew more in the fiend category. Yeah. The great old one is very interesting because... You know, this person is essentially like if they've gotten to third level and they're making this deal, it's like they have searched in every place they can think of for knowledge. And now they are going to the oldest being that they can yeah. find and begging for knowledge. I guess maybe this thing that's happened in their families really, it goes so far back that they can't even trace where it started. And they're an old family, too. Mm-hmm. Like one that can trace their lineage. And with the twins, it's very easy to trace lineage back and back and back. Yeah. I'm thinking also like in Korea, I know for sure, there's like a family registry. Like everyone registers their name on like this lineage that you can track back in a very important way, I guess. That's how people trace their like, oh, I used to be like Yangban, like rich person. And you could trace it through this like family lineage. It's like kept by the government. So I'm thinking maybe they have something. And just as far back as the scroll, as this piece of paper, goes there's x's on some of the tree just like where it's naturally already supposed to split into two there's an x on one of them i like it that's really cool yeah i think great old one i think great old one and so what that's going to give us besides spellcasting ability is a right focus 
So because we are a blood hunter making a pact instead of a warlock, much like a hexblade often is, the weapon becomes the important part of that pact. And so all of the warlocky flavor is centered around the weapon. And so when you activate your Crimson Rite, you can use your weapon as a spellcasting focus. And also because we chose Great Old One, we get the ability that when you score a critical hit against a creature while you're using that particular weapon, the creature is then frightened of you until the end of your next turn. There's no saving throw. It's just if you get a critical hit, they are frightened of you, mm-hmm. which is pretty good for a ranged attacker because you do not want them getting closer to you. That also kind of ties in kind of neatly in a funny way with the haunted one background feature. It says that everyone's kind of weirded out by you, kind of nervous around you, but they'll help you anyways. In a way, it's almost like it's exploding out in like just forcing fear. The last thing we need to do before we go to spells is we need to pick a blood curse. So we get one blood curse at fourth level and all these are a lot like Eldritch Invocations, but they are nasty. Uh, yep. Oh my god. I don't like it. The thing about blood curses is that you can also choose to amplify your blood curse to give it an even nastier effect. I have found one that I think would work very well with our person. Yes, what are you, what are you thinking? Blood curse of the marked. Can't have hunter's mark? Don't worry. Make your own with your blood. As a <laughs> bonus action, you can mark a creature that you can see within 30 feet of you until the end of your turn. Whenever you deal right damage to the target, you roll an additional hemocraft die of right damage. When you amplify it, your next attack roll you make against the target has advantage. I love that, especially because blood hunters do get extra attack at fifth level. Mm-hmm. So they'll be able to do two attacks per turn starting pretty soon. So at least one of those attacks will have advantage. At one of those attacks will have advantage and both will be able to deal extra damage. Mm-hmm. I love that. We're going with blood curse of the marked. So then let's go ahead and pick our warlock spells. So we get two warlock cantrips and two first level spell slots. Mm-hmm. Because I like the idea of like an elemental specialist blood hunter, I kind of like frostbite as one of the cantrips, dealing mm-hmm. that cold damage. So it's a 60 foot range, which is long enough away that it makes sense for a ranged attacker. Mm-hmm. And they have disadvantage on their next attack roll. Nice. In addition to dealing damage. I really like Mind Sliver because the idea of like the whole shtick of Ghostwise Halflings is that they have this ability to telepathically communicate with other creatures within 30 feet of them. And while Mind Sliver's range is 60 feet, it is still very kind of flavor-wise matches in because you're driving this spike of psychic energy into the mind of a creature and they must make an intelligence saving throw or take 1d6 damage and subtract 1d4 from the next saving throw it makes. So you can just Mm -hmm. keep doing it and forcing them to get lower and lower rolls or for anything else that you do that will require them to make a save. Yep, I love it. Okay. And then in terms of first level spells for the warlock spell, remember we only get one spell slot. I really think that Armor of Agathis would be awesome for this blood hunter because mm, you basically give yourself a magical coating of frost that covers your entire body. You get temporary hit points, which is great for a blood hunter. Mm-hmm. And then if anything hits you with a melee attack while you still have those temporary hit points, they take cold damage. Yeah. It's pretty good. And it's not concentration either. So you can just cast it and have it on you for an hour. Mm -hmm. We also get one last spell. 
as someone who only gets to cast one spell a day, I think they'd really be looking for something that like had utility and lasted a while. So I kind Mm -hmm. of like illusory script because it's 10 days, no concentration. I don't know why I think that it's just, you know, any way of tricking this demon thing that's haunting that they can think of, including masking what it is that they're writing if they ever write correspondence is really interesting. I think also be neat. Bloodhunters, all kinds of angst. And I am imagining they're not initiated into this blood order and are just allowed to do whatever they want. Like they have to do something for the order, right? That's, I think, why you get the, especially with this one where you get the warlock patron. So, like, you have to do something. And I imagine maybe part of their whole thing is that you have to, for this patron, like, take all these notes. And maybe part of the thing is these notes have Mm -hmm. to be secret. It's like your primary mission, your long-term goal is to get rid of this demon. But in the meantime, you do still have to follow instructions from your order. Mm -hmm. Appease the patron. I think the last thing we have to do, Darby, is pick a feat. I believe that is correct. I have a thought for a feat, but this is definitely, like, utility. I think it's tough. Okay. But, like, something to increase, like, your hit points slash constitution. Mm-hmm. Because of the nature of a blood hunter and having seen it not work in a person's favor, you know, being able to keep yourself up for longer while being able to use your abilities is pretty important for a blood hunter. And uh, mm-hmm. we, the constitution is not dirt but it's also not amazing yeah and so what tough does is it gives you basically an extra two hit point for every level Mm -hmm. so when you take the feat you get plus two hit points for each level that you have so we get plus eight hit points and every time we leveled up after you get an additional plus two onto whatever it is that you leveled up with Mm -hmm. i like tough Mm -hmm. my other thought was eldritch adept to get that eldritch invocation yeah to kind of keep along that more warlocky flavor mm-hmm. there are a few that i think might be interesting for instance devil's sight that gives you both magical and non-magical dark vision to 120 feet which halflings don't normally get mm-hmm. and i think that being a halfling who delves deep into the darkest parts of the world that would be helpful mm-hmm. or eldritch sight where you can just cast detect magic at will mm-hmm. also eyes of the rune keeper where you can just read all writing ever yeah or and this could also be very good for a blood hunter uh fiendish vigor with false life yeah you can just cast false life on yourself at will as a first level spell i like fiendish vigor eldritch invocation for the utility of basically always being able to have a few spare hit points laying around mm-hmm. which is great for a blood hunter and i like both eldritch sight and devil's sight for flavor Actually, Devil's Sight is also a bit more of a utility thing where you get dark vision. Both magical and non-magical, which is really nice against creatures Mm -hmm. that could cast darkness. Yes. Also, up to 120 feet, which is a massive range for dark vision. It's huge. I don't know. Utility or flavor. And like that goes between the feats before we even get into Eldritch Invocation, right? Oh, I'm definitely going with the Eldritch Adept feat. Okay. Because I feel like that has the opportunity for both utility and flavor, and I like double dipping. The nice thing about Eldritch Adept is that you can replace that invocation every time you level up. Mm -hmm. So if one's not working for you, you can just switch it out. That flexibility really works for this character who is much more of the go-it-alone type. I think that because I want this character to have access to dark vision, I think we're going to start with Devil's Sight. Mm Mm-hmm. For the Eldritch Invocation. But then the great thing is that she can change it out every time that she levels up if she needs to. Mm -hmm. 
we haven't named this character yet. No. Or really gendered them until you just said she just now. Yeah, I, I'm thinking more and more she as I talk through this. Mm-hmm. I also think that maybe, though, that... Because, yeah, it took us a long time to gender this character. I'm thinking, like, we've created this lore of this family where the twins are very attached at the hip and people are defined by their twindom. Mm -hmm. And so I think that maybe being outside of being a twin, literally outside of being one of two, means this character exists outside the binary. They literally exist outside the binary. Exactly, yeah. So I like that maybe this character is non-binary and kind of fluctuates day to day on which pronouns they use just based on however it is that they're feeling. And maybe that's one of the things that not being a twin gives them the freedom to do in their families. They don't have to define themselves based on someone else. Mm -hmm. I'm having trouble naming this character. This family always comes up with Names in pairs. Yeah, they come up with names that are meant to go together. So then when you come up with two and you only have one child, how do you choose? You give them a double name. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a very common thing for twins to be named similar names because parents think they're being cute. Maybe a name that doesn't sound like anything. Just name it Orange. Name this character Orange. Not not literally like that, but like, you know, in a way that like... You and I do this sometimes when we're trying to think of names as we look for the meaning that we're looking for. Yeah. I like the idea of as if this person was cleaved. Do you know what I mean? Like, I also just like the word cleave because it just sounds like heavy. Oh, you know what I like actually? Mm. Demi. Half. This person is half of what was meant to be a whole. And that way their name is like a constant reminder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. The twin was going to be named Lovato. (laughs) No. Yes. (laughs) No, absolutely not. (laughs) We should come up with a family name, though. Halfling names are always, like, something like Goodleaf, or I'm thinking they're always twins, so something twin. They're always, like... Or two or double. Yeah. Oh, I, because I, like, I love alliteration. This one just came to me. Okay. Demi Double Heart. Sounds good. The idea being the twins are, you know, one being, but are two separate bodies and two hearts. So Demi Double Heart. Mm-hmm. Her name is literally a reminder that she is an anomaly in her family and that she is alone constantly, mm-hmm. which, you know, builds into that nice angst. Yeah. Again, Haunted One gives you free angst. <laughs> Let's talk about angst, baby. That's all for this week. Be sure to join us next week for another Chaotic Creation. Chaotic Creations is created, produced, and hosted by Harper Hayes and Darby Pack. Editing is by Harper Hayes and web design is by Darby Pack. The art is by Kiku Hughes, who you can find on Twitter at Kiku Hughes, and the music is by Kevin McLeod. If you'd like to chat with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ChaoticPod. You can also join our Discord server by going to our website, ChaoticPod.com, or using our Linktree in our Twitter bio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. It helps new listeners to find us. And tell your favorite nerdy friend about us while you're at it. It's the best way to help us grow. Thanks for listening.